once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 79. And greetings today from the Field Club at Bank of California Stadium, where uh, things have gone pretty interesting for me covering LAFC. We uh, did the introduction of Giorgio Chiellini. We had the LAFC Galaxy game on Friday, which was absolutely electrifying. And today, the introduction of Gareth Bale. So I got to meet Gareth Bale. I got a couple photos and uh, some interesting stories to tell, which we will get into this week's podcast. Joining me in the business end, Alejandro Moreno of ESPN, ESPN FC. We'll get his thoughts about what's happening in Major League Soccer, being a former player in Los Angeles. And uh, we'll also talk about covering the sport, amongst many other things. Also, then in stoppage time, we will talk about what is happening in Major League Soccer that makes it different. We'll take a closer look at the silly season, exactly what is on tap. It's all about the, the, the faucet is full on blast. A reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, share with a friend. And uh, yeah, so I, this is what I said on this podcast. If you're in an interesting place, broadcast from there. If you're at a game or something, you do it. So it should be very exciting. That's a good cue. Let's go. The near future and the distant future as well. I wanted to pass on a little information. Uh, I got nominated for Best Soccer Podcast. That's right. Just really after a year, once again, back in there. So if you've been enjoying the podcast, why don't you uh, vote for the Soccer OG? It's at World Soccer Talk. Go to worldsoccertalk.com. There is a little tab where you can vote on the World Soccer Talk Awards 2022. Go to podcasts and give me a vote. Or you can vote for someone else. There's some great podcasts there. A lot of which I listen to. And I know this sounds cliche, but it's great to just be uh, nominated alongside them. But it'd be better if I finished further up, right? So I can, we can say we did this together, which is what we always do. You can also go to worldsoccertalk.com slash best-podcast-2022-world. Never mind. Just go to World Soccer Talk and go to the right. You'll see it. Best podcast for 2022. And I, I, listen, you guys inspire me. And this started as something fun to do, but it's starting to feel real. And being able to go into my Rolodex find some great guests to talk about this sport with so much happening here domestically and abroad. It makes me smarter, sharper, and it, uh, it gets me more excited for certainly what's happening here in 2022, but as we continue to 2026, spending that time in ESPN and covering a bunch of sports, which I enjoyed, but getting to specialize in this sport, which I've been doing for a very long time, that's why they call me the OG, has been very fulfilling. So let's, uh, let's get those numbers up. And I appreciate it. And for all those loyal listeners who've been there from the beginning, no one can take that away from you. We will have Alejandro Moreno. He is, uh, to me, one of the great voices. He's not afraid to shake it up on air, let his true feelings be known. Also a great Venezuelan footballer from a country that didn't play a lot of football, but he's helped change that. And uh, he's a good friend, and it's been great to see him develop on air. That will be coming up in the business end here shortly. Stoppage time, we will take a look at the marketplace and we'll get you ready for uh, what's going to start happening very soon. We're going to keep an eye on certain players that uh, we feel uh, are going to be the, the most notable in the, the big spots 
the big clubs, but also maybe how it affects here in North America as well. You know, there's teams on preseason. I know Chelsea is here in uh, Los Angeles. They play at UCLA. I was going to go over there and just hang outside the fence and scream things out. There is uh, a lot of incredible additions to this league as of late. And that's why we're here with Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale, he arrived. He went to the LAFC Galaxy game. To me, and I've been to almost every home game in this venue, that was uh, just out-of-your-body kind of uh, sensation that uh, it was to bring in a game. It had everything. And then the Gareth Bale coming out and acclimating himself to the stadium and to his teammates... You just don't see stuff like that. And it happened with Giorgio Chiellini. And uh, I'm just so thrilled and honored to be affiliated with this club and be able to, to work these events. I was up there emceeing it to a worldwide audience. So I got nervous. I still get nervous after all these years. And uh, Gareth Bale said all the right things. And I spoke to his agents. And they reminded me how, how much he is locked into this for lack of a better word, project. His next chapter. He, uh, he also mentioned during the press conference that, because we all talk about the World Cup, Wales is going back to the World Cup for the first time in 64 years. So you know you're going to get the best from Bale. He's going to want to play because he has to prepare for that. MLS season ends, I think, November 5th is MLS Cup. The idea is LAFC probably plays close to the end and the World Cup starts November the 18th. So extend the season and you slide right into the World Cup and you're prepared. Could have done that somewhere else, but I think he gets a real good pop, but he's going to have to play, and I'm sure he will, but the way LAFC is playing, it's not just someone you pop in there right away and change things that have been working. So it's going to be a, it's a good problem. It's a good problem to have, as they say, but uh, he's going to be into it, and he mentioned playing for the next Euros, preparing. So if he remains at LAFC, you figure the next Euros in 2024, not too far down the road. And remember, Wales have been to the last two Euros, and in 2016, they made the semifinals, which is an incredible achievement. So don't underestimate this guy. Uh, but did get a chance to, to chat with him, and uh, he's ready. His agents were telling me he hasn't even played any golf. He has been preparing to get in shape. This is important business, and now it looks like it has a longer shelf life because of, because of the Euros, possibly. He also said something on the ESPN broadcast that I thought was really interesting. And uh, the variety of things he wants to do in this country, he also mentioned raise the, sta the professional standard. Players that play at Real Madrid and Tottenham Hotspur and these high national teams, they're used to training and uh, performing at a certain level. It just happens. You can't roll on into Real Madrid and just say this is another club. There is a standard that has to be met. And he has it, and a lot of players want to get it, and they know the best way to get it is to be close to someone who has it. And all the young players in LAFC feel that they will get that, not only from Gareth Bale, Giorgio Chiellini. But, I mean, look at the last couple weeks. Lorenzo Insigne is not playing yet, but he is training, and he should be getting closer to being a go. You have... Hector Herrera, who played his first game for Houston, that's a big deal. And the Dynamo, to me, feel like a club that's turning the corner, new ownership, new investment, spending some money, doing much better on the field. They got a nice park that they are going to try and revitalize a little bit, get more fans there. You can see there's more fans. And they have Hector Herrera. 
Then you have Chiellini and Bale. And now you have Wayne Rooney coming back. Not to be, I just heard Landon Donovan might be coming back to be the coach of the Earthquakes. So Wayne Rooney and Landon Donovan in our coaching ranks. What's not to be excited about? And there will be more. And we haven't, as we talked the last time, overlooked the young South American talent. Because I just want to reiterate this, that I said this in the last podcast. Darwin Nunez, who signed a huge deal with Liverpool, almost came to MLS a few years ago. Peñarol had a connection here. He almost came here. So there is going to be a superstar, a South American superstar, who will make his way to one of the Super League clubs, excuse the expression. Super League has come up again, by the way. I'm sure that's no, what no one wanted to see, but the court case to revive it. Uh, I always told you here that the Super League's not going away, and there's too much at stake to make me think that at some point we won't have a Super League. So this is just because we were able to clear that, that first situation doesn't mean uh, these, these parties are going to go, no, you're right, it was a bad idea. They're not saying that. But getting back to the Super League, there's going to be a South American talent who comes here at 18 or 19 who gets really good and becomes a superstar that goes to these places, and he goes through MLS. Talking, I saw a bunch of players. I saw Yuram Afsisian, former Real Salt Lake player with Russia, Armenian international. He's telling you every player he talks to wants to come here. LAFC, but also Major League Soccer. It's happening, man. And not everyone can come to LAFC or the Galaxy or enter Miami. So they'll go to other places because there is clout throughout the league and the ownerships that really want it will be able to get a guy. And that is fantastic news for all of us. So uh, again, we travel together. Make sure you go to worldsoccertalk.com and vote for the Soccer OG is best podcast. And uh, we'll be right back with the business end and Alejandro Moreno you're going to love this conversation because he is one of a kind and stick around for stoppage time afterward it's the Soccer OG rate, review, subscribe download, share with a friend we're back here in the business end and uh, to introduce one of the I call him one of my better friends in the business. I don't know where that leaves him on the status, but I miss this man dearly. Salt of the earth. Trust him with everything I have. ESPN, ESPN FC, football analyst, former Venezolano, Tinto, Vino Tinto great, Alejandro Moreno. How's that for an introduction? Oh, that was classy, Max. I could have used you <laughs> when I was working on a new contract while I was a player. <laughs> I would have been a great agent for you because I saw you I, I, when you were at the Galaxy, I covered you there, uh, mm-hmm. saw you grow into an MLS, I should have said MLS Cup champion with Columbus Crew, um, kind of like the, uh, the, the teammate whisperer for Guillermo Barros Esqueloto, would that be safe to say? I think so. We had a very good relationship on the field and a very good relationship off the field, and I think it showed, and, and we had a great time playing together, and uh, I, I didn't think it it lasted as long as it should have, to be quite honest with you. I think uh, there was an opportunity for us to be successful together for a couple more years, but it didn't quite work out that way. I mean, you have some good stories to tell from your MLS days. You played <laughs> for some important teams with some great personalities. That Galaxy team, Columbus, at mm-hmm. Houston. Um, there was, uh, I'm sure your Rolodex is full with some interesting names that might bring a smile on your face. 
Yeah, and, and the relationships, the uh, friendships, uh, you think about the fact that perhaps uh, my favorite roommate in, uh, with the Galaxy was none other than Hong Myung-bo. When he first came to the Galaxy, a uh, very successful Korean international, had just come off being the uh, bronze ball winner, I believe, in, in, in 2002. In, yeah. in 2002. Uh, and, and let me tell you, I, I've never seen passion from fans like, uh, like I saw from Korean fans uh, whenever they saw a ball walking around. So whenever we went out on the road, uh, and and we had a chance to have dinner on our own, we would go to a Korean place. And you would think the Beatles were coming. You would think, uh, think, think Maradona in Argentina. Well, this was sort of the the respect that Hongmyung Bo was shown by the South Korean people. We would go directly to the table and people would open up. <laughs> and I say, all right, well, I guess I guess we're important because well, this guy it. needs me to translate. So I'm I'm his guy. I'm his roommate. I'm riding with him. But that's just kind of the variety of experiences that you get in MLS and that I got over the course of over a decade and uh, uh, so many stories, so many experiences. And as random as it may be, I think for those of us that were in old school MLS, we have a tremendous appreciation from where we were. And certainly compared to what MLS is now, uh, I think those of us that that had to sit in seat 22B on a cross-country flight, uh, <laughs> the, the, those of us that went through that, that had to do preseason in the 22B, that's the name of the book right there, 22B. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, doing, it's doing preseason at the uh, parking lot of the Rose Bowl, that sort of thing. Uh, so... Let's just say that MLS has grown quite a bit, but I think those of us from all school MLS have a great appreciation for what it was, and, and it was a labor of love. So that's why I think we we carry the name of MLS with as much pride as we do. I just, I, I just it makes me laugh that I could see them handing out the plane tickets, and then they give you yours, and you're like, "Carajo, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, trying to switch with Pete Vahinas. Wait a minute, not this time, not this time. This is a long <laughs> flight. We're going to Dallas." <laughs> well, that and the fact that, uh, say, for example, when we were the Columbus crew and you have the big emblem that says crew on it, right, on the chest, right? And, and you, you feel proud of who you play for and the league that you play in and, and you've made it. You are in professional sports, you're professional soccer. And you're walking down the aisle of the airplane and as you sit in seat 22B, the person next to you asks you, who do you guys row for? Oh, <laughs> and that's when you that's when you know. Yeah, we haven't made it just yet. Wow. So, yes. <laughs> and listen, that wasn't that long ago because, yeah, you were no. on the field. I was in the broadcast position. I remember calling that and there was some some pivots. And I was going to ask you about this later, but let's talk about it now. But some pivots along the way where it got better for the players. Uh, there was more money for the players. The resources got better. The coverage got better. And now we're seeing Lorenzo Insigne and Gareth Bale, among others, come to the league. It's still, though, it's it's a, I mean, I follow the league pretty much exclusively now. And it's still, a, it's an odd one to do it because you know there are good times ahead. Based on the way it's moving, you're like, it's happening. But then you see, like, I saw the the TV ratings for 
LAFC Galaxy, and I was there, and I go, this is this is it. This is a magical moment. This is the one that gets a ton of viewers. It got 333,000 viewers. So it's it's a reminder there's still a long way to go. But, I mean, if, if, if you look at the growth, and there's a lot to be happy about, and certainly it's an exciting league, and there's more money in the league, what, where do you want to see it make some advancements? Where do you think it can make a real big difference that they that they need? Because they've worked on some good things. The, the, the stadium experience is great. Where do they need to go? Where do you think that are those places that uh, there, there requires more focus? I'm going to take you back to early days <laughs> Venezuela. Uh, think of a Sunday morning in Caracas. Uh, right there around, say, 1995, 1986, something, somewhere around there where I would wake up uh, on a Sunday morning excited to watch Napoli with Maradona play against Juventus with Platini at the time. Now, why do I bring this up? Prior to that game, there would have been a Formula One race that my dad would be watching. And it would annoy me to no end because all I wanted to do was watch the game, right? All I wanted to do was watch Napoli Juventus. And there'd be a rain delay or something (laughs) in the car race. was was in Formula One, and I knew that right after that, the game would come on. So I would just sit there and watch these cars go around and round and round again. Okay, Alain Pross, Ayrton Senna, fantastic. Okay, Nelson Piquet. I'll throw another name out there. <laughs> you hate these names. You Someone throws an Alain Prost. You're like, ah, it takes me back. I want my Napoli on. And then Alain Prost, yellow flag, mumbo jumbo. <laughs> right. And so the reason I, I, I bring that up is because, see, I have this sort of animosity towards Formula One that I built in or built up from those years. And so... I turned my back to Formula One. As I grew older, I said, no, this is not for me. I had to watch this when I was little. I didn't want to watch. Now, I'm going to take you around to, to the point that I want to make eventually. But here's the thing. You've got my nowadays, undivided attention. I like where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays, as, as I'm sure you're familiar with, that uh, Drive to Survive series on Netflix that features the Formula One drivers and I got to watching that, I became invested with the drivers to the point to where we have come full circle. And every Sunday, in fact, every Saturday I watch the qualifying and every Sunday I am watching the races because I am invested with the drivers. I knew nothing about Daniel Ricardo or Lando Norris or Charles Leclerc. I knew nothing about these people. I had heard of Lewis Hamilton because of who he was and Max Verstappen because of the name and the things that they've accomplished in their career. But I knew nothing about the rest. Now, because I now know the backstory of these drivers, I find myself invested. And so here's the point. If I'm MLS, the thing that I want to do next is make sure that we get people invested in the players, in the stories with, behind teams behind players so that if I'm a casual fan and I just turn on a game, it isn't just background noise. I am watching it because I may not be a fan of this team. I may not be a fan of this player, but I have learned because of something that I've watched, because of something that I read, hey, there's an interesting story about this player. There's an interesting story about this team. 
there is background here and I've become invested with the product. And so now I have to watch it. It isn't just background noise. It is something that now has my attention because I feel connected to the story. Have you forgiven Alain Prost after all these years? <laughs> Do you know that nowadays- I was wrong. I was wrong, Alain. <laughs> so he's a consultant now. He was for Renault and now a consultant for Alpine. Oh and every once in a while, they show him in the background. It's like, ah, there he is. You there are a full is. Formula One nerd. You're all in because of this show, which a show I have watched. And I'll tell you this. I do watch a little bit, but there's one video game app on my phone. It's the only game I play on any device. And it is, I'm pulling it up. Uh, it's called F1 Clash. And you get two drivers and you have a campaign that lasts endlessly. It never ends. And you get one tank of gas, obviously, and you have to change the tires and how hard or medium. And you're kind of the, the crew chief. And I love it. I love it. So I've learned all the drivers through that, but I'll watch a little bit more. But your point is taken. And that's one of the better answers I have, I have heard when this question's asked, because it's frustrating. And some people are, are, are saying, well, there's nothing we can do. Let's just let it grow. But we've done a really poor job of making our players who are already interesting, interesting. And mm. it's worked at other leagues where it's all personality driven. But someone will tune on in most games and they don't know who these players are, but they all have interesting stories to tell. And what happens, what we're seeing is like other leagues get to tell the stories of them and we're missing that. So how do we do it? I, I mean, there's a way to do it. I mean, it's it's a big job, but uh, I think each club kind of has to amplify that somehow. But we've tried. But that's a great starting point, Ali. Yeah, I, I just think. And and look, I was I was part of MLS for over a decade. Right. And so I and, and when you are in it and you're doing it every day and you're traveling and you're playing games, you're not so interested in the how do we grow this? You don't have that kind of vision because you're concerned about uh, putting forth the best effort you can, you, can, you, you can produce and being able to execute the game plan that Sigge Schmidt put on the board. You're thinking about how do we win this game? You're not thinking about how do we grow this league? Uh, and, and I just think at times players themselves and given the power now of social media could do a better job of controlling the message of putting out their own rhetoric out there. And, and, and believe me, when I tell you this, I don't say this lightly because when I was a player, I would have never, never, ever, ever entertained the idea of utilizing social media and having contact with the fans that way. I, I, I never would have thought there was something to gain from there, but we live in a different time now where these are avenues where you can further your profile professionally because people have access to you. And so if they're going to have access to you one way or another, you might as well benefit from it individually and then in turn as a team and then in turn as a league. Uh, so I think the players could drive this quite a bit that's interesting uh, i also think then that the teams themselves could drive that uh quite a bit as well locally but if you get an investment nationally then i think that's when we get a really really get into a conversation where it becomes more interesting to watch so maybe each club and with in assistance with the league 
have a department or each club has mm. a, a, a certain person that can really work on the social media. Look, we, I do stuff and I, I hire a guy sometimes to do graphics for things I'm doing and cut them and edit them and put them on several different uh, uh, platforms, whether it's Instagram. I, I can't do it all the time, but once in a while I go bang, bang, bang. And then I, you've got four times Bretos saying the same thing. <laughs> and who and doesn't I, need that? <laughs> <laughs> I ask myself that all the time. It was an easy, who doesn't want this? I can't think of anyone. Let's do it. Four times Bretos wherever it is on. And those things are possible. And plus, you know, I was, I was at LAFC training and you see, you know, Gareth Bale having a conversation with Giorgio Chiellini. I was there today and you know, there's it. That's a post. That's something that Mm -hmm. can kind of just make things interesting and access. It's, it's there, it's there, but, uh, and I know they're doing better and getting closer to that, but sometimes we always want to rush these things and go, where is it? Where are the results? Uh, They're coming. It's still a bang. It's still, it's still, it's todavía time pampers at the Liga, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll see where it goes. Um, have you? Uh, what are some of the? Have you, are you okay with uh, the connection to Liga MX? I know we have an All Star game. We have MLS is kind of looking to South America to recruit a lot more players mm-hmm. from uh, Latin America, much the way Mexico did back in the day. Um, yeah, and just these games crossing them. I, I, I you know, I even look at. Uh, unearthing the players from not only Colombia or Ecuador, Venezuela, you know, Jefferson Savarino comes to mind, although he went to Brazil and came back. Uh, those kind of things that uh, MLS didn't used to do. These are exciting developments. Just so just in by and large, the international aspect of the league, how they progressing because it was incubated for the longest time. It was, they've, they've, they've grown out there where it's become more of a league where the, the globe pays attention to it. And I hope, and I think players want to come, here and feel like it's not a step back it's it's a it's a good launching point at the very least for some players a young player coming from south america yeah and and i'll just speak about venezuela in in particular because it's a subject that i'm very close to and very familiar with if you're a player young player in venezuela right now and you are playing for deportivo tachira or oh, semi- I saw anything. Richard. I saw Richard the other day. They, did they make the semifinals of the Copa Sud? <laughs> well, that's, well, that's, that's, that, so, so you're a young player for Deportivo Táchira, right? And you're <laughs> up and coming or any other team in the first division in Venezuela. And you don't know for certain whenever July 15th or July 30th or August uh, uh, 15th or whatever the case may be, you don't know if that paycheck is going to be there. That's, that's the truth. This is not as, as a matter of opinion. This, this happens quite regularly, and it's not specific to Venezuela. It is actually largely part of the story in a lot of South America and Latin America, for that matter, that you don't know with certainty that you are going to get paid your salary every month. Uh, And so when you have that background and then you see what's possible here in MLS and you see what the numbers are here in Major League Soccer and what they have become, it is a logical choice, a logical choice for a young player, that young player from Venezuela to say, man, how do I get there? How? 
I I need to find my way there because not only am I going to get paid on time, look at the infrastructure, look at the logistics, look at the resources available, look at the training facilities, look at the stadiums, look at the fan base, all these things that get you excited. And, and you have to imagine that that is a step forward. And again, this is not just specific to Venezuela. You can really make the argument that this is across the board and Latin America, where you can say, man, if I can go to Atlanta United, if I can go to LAFC, why wouldn't I? If, if I can sort out an opportunity to where I can go and develop in MLS and then become the best version of myself, and then as MLS wants to be part of the player market in the world, then potentially I use MLS as a stepping board to go elsewhere. That's the example of Miguel Almiron. Uh, and, and, and I suppose that that's the best example that we can come up with. But it is a logical choice for young South American and Latin American talent to look at MLS as not only a potential destination, but a preferred destination. How's, are we going to see Venezuela make a World Cup? Is it getting closer? <laughs> <They're> gonna- <laughs> uh, well, I suppose so. You know, this is a this is a tricky question for me because I I would love for Venezuela to make a World Cup. We've never made a World Cup, and back in my day, we got close a couple of times. And it's it's a couple of things that I really, when I look back in my career, uh, those are the things, those are the failures that you hang on to. Is we were there and we were not able to walk through that door. Uh, perhaps lack of experience, perhaps the fact that maybe we got afraid of the moment, couldn't quite handle it. Uh, the our inability to recognize the import, the opportunity in front of us, and to be able to harness that opportunity and just give the very best of ourselves. We didn't do that when it counted the most, and we were out. Clearly, I'm over it. Clearly, I've turned the page. Uh, but here's the thing. This idea that potentially Venezuela gets a better opportunity to get into a World Cup because of a 48-team World Cup, I don't like it. And this is where I'm conflicted. I want Venezuela in the World Cup. Yes, I do. But I don't want it when it's become a bigger tournament. And, and that's, where I find what? The, I, that's where I find the dichotomy. That's where I find the struggle. Because I, I want the World Cup to remain what it is, an exclusive, exclusive tournament, not an inclusive tournament, an exclusive tournament in which you play yourself into the competition. It's still going to be very hard for Venezuela to make a 48-team World Cup. You are aware of that. So I know, I don't know. let it poo-poo on your parade. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just, like I said, it, it, you know, there are many things that go in my head that don't quite make a lot of sense. But that, that's the inner struggle. I want Venezuela in a World Cup, but I want a Venezuela in a World Cup with the World Cup the way it is now. Well, we talked football Venezolano. We've talked Major League Soccer. And that's kind of burying the lead because I have you on here and you work for ESPN FC, the best soccer show in uh, North America, in my estimation. It really should go without saying. You guys are fantastic. I get smarter when I watch it and I have a lot of fun. Uh, Dan Thomas, who, uh, who's been on here, and getting a, a rise out of Shaka or, or Steve. And uh, I was watching the one with Steve Nickel where he thought, <laughs> he think it was uh, Wesley Snipes when he was talking about Wesley Snyder or, or I don't remember, uh, <laughs> just golden TV moments of that nature. And you guys are covering, by and large, the European game at a very expert level. So I got to ask you this because I just don't know what it is. I think I do. But what is the biggest off-season story in Europe right now? Is it Cristiano Ronaldo and where he wants to go? 
Is it what happens with Manchester? Is it Manchester United's the story? And what do they do? We don't know yet. The, we imagine the number, the players will start falling into place. Is it uh, Tottenham Hotspur have been very active? That could be a candidate. Chelsea uh, with Raheem Sterling. And uh, have they signed uh, Coyote? Or I know they're still looking at some players. And Or is it Barcelona? Is it Barcelona with the fact they have no money? And what do they do to get back on, you know, the top, the top rung, which they, they got closer to uh, a lot closer than I thought they would last season with Xavi, that they were able to qualify for the Champions League, make a nice run in the Europa League. Uh, it's I would imagine it's Ronaldo, but mm-hmm. that's a, it, it's not exciting to cover that story, right? Well, here's the thing. Uh, whenever. Ronaldo does anything, we are almost obligated to cover it yes. because Ronaldo, he matters. He walks out of his house. It's important. The other day, we, as part of our show, we were covering the story of somebody who works for Ronaldo that crashed his car. And, and because there's a connection, it's, it, it's and, a connection. And, and you send a reporter out to cover it probably. <laughs> And, and quite honestly, and, and we talked about social media and, and the digital uh, platforms, when we put out uh, videos and YouTube clips of, of the show talking about Manchester United and Cristiano Ronaldo, those things go out, out the roof because people are interested. And it's just, you talk about players that move the needle, some could pretend that they move the needle, Ronaldo does right a better example when i guess he declined to drink a soft drink instead he drank water and water. that had some sort of impact on in the market for that particular soft drink <laughs> it i mean it's insanity but that's that's cristiano ronaldo and that's how much he matters in the world uh and in, in the in the level not on not not even premier league level when the world level and anything that he does is important so when he has decided to come back to Manchester United and now runs into a team that is not what he thought was going to be, and he looks into the future and he doesn't see himself as part of that future, and now he wants to leave, well, that obviously becomes the story. So much so that you would have thought that we'd be talking about Erling Haaland going to Manchester City but that almost has gone under the radar because the conversation has been about Ronaldo and then everybody else. It's, it's been a little sad, though, because he wants to obviously go to a certain type of club, one with Champions League aspirations, not just Champions League aspirations, but one that will certainly be there at the back end of the competition, uh, quarterfinals and, and on. And it doesn't seem like any of those clubs want him. We've heard these rumors about... Uh, Barcelona uh, coming to the Premier League, no, not Barcelona, Bayern Munich. Barcelona was obviously a come and dry. Even PSG and these clubs are like, and I get the feeling that Ten Hag is probably, I wish this, I think Ronaldo's great. He is going to be, he brings so much positivity to this club. He helps sell shirts. I get that. But I kind of wish that I didn't have to deal with this right now. I would imagine he would kind of like a reset. Maybe I'm wrong. But it's it's between that and Lionel Messi kind of on the outside looking in at, at PSG, it's pretty 
for for all of us that love that this era, which is still going on about Ronaldo Messi, it's a little it's a little sad. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's still a future for both of them, and they're going to make a ton of money. But the level that they are used to, I don't know if that's attainable anymore. Well, and and the truth is, and people don't want to hear this, but the truth is, is that we are transitioning from the Ronaldo and Messi era. It, it's happening. And, and certainly once we get done with this World Cup and the potential of Argentina winning the World Cup and what that would mean for Messi's career, uh, and, and then what happens with Portugal as well, once that excitement of the World Cup comes and goes, I think it's going to be the full transition away from the Messi-Ronaldo rhetoric onto whatever the next phase is going to be. It, it's happening. It's part of reality. And we all have to get ready for the end of Messi and Ronaldo. It's coming. It's coming to a town near you. It's coming <laughs> and it's coming soon. So you might as well start looking around and saying, what is the next phase? What is it that we turn our attention to once these guys have done so much for the game, but now moved on into a different level entirely? I love me some Messi. I love me some Ronaldo. And we've been, I think, very blessed to have had these guys play at the level that they have played for so long. But the end is coming and the end is near. And there really isn't something to replace it, I don't think. I mean, we talked about Mbappe and Holland. I go, there's no way that those two will be able to match up to what these two were doing. And it's a different era, no? I mean, it's to me, we are more interested about these teams. These teams are very good, but it's not one man superstar driven it's manchester city which you would have a good debate is who's their most important player same thing with liverpool you could say that for real madrid no i mean these are yeah and and i, I look i uh we want to think that it's going to be mbappe and holland and we want to think that that these guys are going to take this challenge on and they're going to become exponentially better as their careers go on but the truth is we just haven't had the full appreciation of how great Messi and Ronaldo have been and so once they they're out of the picture or not nearly as important as they once were I think we're going to begin to understand man these guys were something else uh and and it'll be too late it, it, by then they they'll be gone and then the next group of guys will come in and they'll come up short because it's impossible to be as productive as those two guys were for as long as they were. Uh, Mbappe will be a great player. He is already a great player. Erling Haaland will be a great player. Everybody would want to have him on the team, but they are not quite to the level of Messi and Ronaldo. If, if for a decade they do what Ronaldo and Messi have done, then we can have another OG podcast and talk about it. But it's, I, I just don't see it happening. I, I, these guys are great, but Messi and Ronaldo are something special. It is, but are you excited a little bit about what lies ahead with, without them? I mean, we're going to miss them. But it's, it's interesting because they're both getting up there in years. But I, I foresee you know them continuing. It looks like, it could be in uh, it could be in Major League Soccer. It could be in Mexico. It could be in the Far East. I mean, they're going to make some plata. Well, 
I, I'm sure they're not struggling to pay their cable bill right now, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, I would say that as, as we have seen over the course of many players who have been generational talents, the game goes on. We go on, teams go on, and there are stories to be covered and personalities to be covered. And you just go after the next big story, the next big team, um, the next big championship. And, and it's not like you forget about Messi or Ronaldo. That's never going to happen. But the truth of the matter is that the game will evolve and will be different in 10 years' time than what it is now. Just like the game now is different than what it was a decade ago. It just there, there are changes that keep happening within the game, outside of the game, uh, that affect the, the product on the field. I, honestly, you go back 10 years and, and, and just think about the possibility of having VAR as part of our reality. Well, VAR is part of our reality now. This, it, and it's part of the conversation and it's here to stay. I wonder what happens in 10 years' time. What, what's coming down the line that is going to change the way we appreciate the game that we love so much. How's it been covering La Liga? That's been, uh, you put in the first year there. It's been going pretty well. Are you enjoying it? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's great. It, so- it, it really has. We have, um, I think we were really invested in the product. We were really invested in the stories uh, and, and being able to cover teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid, I think those stories sort of write themselves. But then being able to showcase uh, Betis against Sevilla, the Sevilla derby, uh, being able to showcase the passion of Los Leones de San Mamesa, Athletic Club, Bilbao, uh, and, and, and just the, their story and, and how they're able to come up with a team and how they're able to be competitive with some of what we consider to be limitations that they put on themselves, but the way they look at it is a sense of pride and the sense of belonging, which then makes the team what it is. There's so many storylines in La Liga that people may not be aware of, uh, how special it is and quaint it is to play in, in Vallecas, a Rayo Vallecano stadium that seems to be stuck in a place in time, but, but makes it special because it has a character that maybe other places do not. There again, we were able this year, we were able to go out to the stadiums, tell the stories, and, and then let the uh, play speak for itself in terms of the level that we saw from La Liga. And Real Madrid, obviously, winning Champions League kind of uh, jumped ahead of everybody else. But there was a story there for Barcelona the transition from Ronald Koeman, well, from no Messi to Ronald Koeman to Xavi. The, the up and down, the excitement of the young players, the, the Pedri and the Gavi, and it's Ansu Fati coming back from injury, all these things that made Barcelona interesting this season. Uh, and you just, you feel very thankful and appreciative that you get to cover these stories in, in the manner in which we're able to do at ESPN. And you have Casey Keller, who played at Rayo Vallecano, calling those games sometimes, which is a good hoot. You guys did a great job. And it was great to hear you rattle off these stories. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. But I'm really excited for the coverage you guys can provide and the investment that you're making for that league. That Let's let's agree, we all thought they were going to have a real rough one when Messi left. It was like the end of the world. And by the end of the season, 
not only is Barcelona in a good spot, but you have Real Madrid winning the Champions League. You have Villarreal in the semifinals. You had Atletico Madrid right there as well. Uh, Sevilla showing its true colors. Real Sociedad getting better. It obviously doesn't have the investment of the Premier League, but it does have Barcelona and Real Madrid. And a year ago, when you even go back to Cristiano Ronaldo leaving Real Madrid, Real has a, an advantage over Barcelona because they could design their club post-Ronaldo a year or so ahead of Barcelona. But they're both doing it. And you can see the alternative can be as, as, as successful, maybe not as exciting to watch, but that Real Madrid with some new young players and some of that old guard is the best team in Europe, whether the English press wants to admit that or not. Uh, <laughs> it, it is what it, uh, that was. That that debate drove me crazy that, you know, say, wait, are, is Real Madrid the best? Well, well, Liverpool outplayed. Let's not even go there. But Real Madrid is just going to get better, even without Mbappe. They are Real Madrid. Although that Mbappe, the way that went down, didn't really wash you over, making you feel good. And then Barcelona, who it looks like Rafinha, I was reading, is on his way. I mean, there was this Bleacher Report little cartoon with Xavi breaking all the piggy banks and looking under the sofa and putting money in and getting Rafinha. They're finding the money. And depending on who comes and goes, we hear Frankie de Jong perhaps would leave, go to Manchester United. That Barcelona is A, going to be very competitive, probably a top four team. And B, um, interesting to watch with all these great young players. And that's uh, that's good for ESPN, I'll tell you that much. Uh, yes. Yes, <laughs> it is, Max. Absolutely it is. But I think we, we understand that there are a lot of people that automatically gravitate towards the Premier League because of most of the conversation and the rhetoric seems to be leaning and skewed in that direction. And, and not intentionally, uh, but I think naturally, more so than intentionally, while we're covering La Liga, at least coming from my point of view, I'm saying, hey, look, I understand you have a shiny toy over there and it's sexy and it's pretty and it's beautiful. But we all have a, that favorite toy from our youth. That 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 one. What, that was what was that favorite toy of yours? What was that favorite? Oh, well, I, I had this this rattly bicycle that I had. <laughs> <laughs> the chain kept coming off. But man, let me you tell love you, that. I could ride the heck out of that bicycle. <laughs> we we used to do quick story. We used to do. I lived in a cul-de-sac, and uh, it was a long cul-de-sac, and we used to do races. Uh, starting in my house around the cul-de-sac and then to the other end of the street and then come back to my house. Now, the, the, the issue here was that once you get to the far end of the street, there was a dog that lived in that, that, lived in that house that every so often would knock, uh, w was able to get him, himself, uh, herself free and, and would go and chase us. So when you come around that, the bend and you're coming back to the sort of like to the start of the race, which would be the finish line. And that dog was, you, you heard, you heard the cage or you heard the fence be opening up. You're like, Oh, here we go, baby. <laughs> Got to pick it up now. It's like, it's like a, it's running of the bulls, uh, Caracas style almost. <laughs> yes. Right. Now here's the problem. It doesn't help when my old rattly bike would lose the chain when I was trying to go fast. <laughs> 
that's when I get off the bike and got to get on my legs and run away from the dog. But in any case, you knew it was a risk and you did it anyway. That's how you're right. the man you are today. Well, and, and, and but here's the point. That bicycle, that, that, that may not be the shiny toy that is the Premier League, to me, there's something romantic about it. And, and I think La Liga still holds that romantic place in a lot of people's hearts. And if you're able to re-engage people to not only watch the big teams, but re-engage people to watch the stories that I just mentioned, and, and as you just said, those are just a few, uh, then I think you are generating an interest for the casual fan that perhaps wasn't there. And we're saying, yeah, the Premier League is great and it has wonderful teams. But the world of soccer, club football in Europe, doesn't begin and end in the Premier League. There's a whole lot of story and there's a whole lot of backdrop and there's a whole lot of drama going on in La Liga. And come and watch it and appreciate the technical ability of these players and how good they are in tight spaces and how good Karim Benzema is in finishing his chances or how good Vinicius Jr. has become over the course of the last 18 months or so. And that, again, those are just a few names and a few stories. I, I, I just think that we've been able at, ES, at ESPN, we've been able to really showcase a lot of this and hopefully we're able to do some more of that this upcoming season. It, it, the personalities are one part, the history, the rivalries, but the success on the field is, stamps it and says, look, they're doing it. And that was supposed to be a bad year for La Liga. And it turned out to be the opposite. And it wasn't Real Madrid and Barcelona. It was multiple clubs, uh, several of them making uh, a tremendous breakthrough. I can't wait for it. We have some Americans there, Yunus Musa, Luca De La Torre is now at Celta Vigo. By the way, I told you about my European trip. I wanted to go to Spain, but going to this is how I travel in 2022. The ticket to go to Copenhagen was 60% of the cost of the ticket to Barcelona. And I was going to go to the Países Vascos, uh, the Basque country. So I said, I'll do yeah. that. I'll do that when the tickets come down a little bit. But I was happy to make my trip to the north instead. So there you go. But, but again, that's hey, the romanticism of going to Países Vascos. And, and uh, there's a connection there that that I, I think you would appreciate. And and, and, and there's a story to be told. And for Atletic Club, Real Sociedad, yeah. that rivalry, that derby, how special that has been over the years. And, 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 and it's something that doesn't come up all the time, but it's our responsibility then to be able to tell a story and tell people, hey, this matters and this is why it matters and this is why you should watch. To, to me, that's one of the most interesting parts of the world, the Basque region, and it's for the football, it's for the food, it's mm. for its place in history with its neighbors. All of that. And an athletic Bilbao, for those who weren't familiar, they only feature Basque players, which mostly is Spanish, um, but also uh, uh, French Basque is uh, available. I think Vicente Lisa Rasu, World Cup winner, played mm -hmm. for Bilbao. And then uh, Iñaki Williams, who's playing for Ghana now with his back. This is all real interesting. I mean, you could go on forever about those clubs that were that part of the world. And everyone says, I was talking to Derek Ray, who's right there, who's got the best cuisine. And he said the Basque region. And I go, that's a hard one to argue. Cause when you think about the meat and the cheeses, you know, those jamon, <laughs> Iberic, or see you serranos, you know, that that's right up my alleyway. Imagine yours too. Uh, hey, before I let you go, my friend, uh, any, well, with, with the world cup getting closer and closer to us, is there something that you're excited about? Uh, obviously, once the games get started, is there something you think 
a World Cup in Qatar could provide that other World Cups cannot. You know, I I I think of a variety of things that maybe maybe a country like in the Middle East could go on a run. Maybe a team from outside of Europe can rock the apple cart like a United States. Maybe it's the time for the African teams. Maybe there's a shift in some way, shape or form. I think, I think a regular team is going to win it, but I, I would believe like in 2002, the path is, or in most world cups, even the last world cup in Russia, where we had six European teams in the final eight, the passage, the passage there is going to be much more different than we've perhaps ever seen in a World Cup. I hope so, because it would be fun to cover a World Cup like that. It's uh, it's going to be, uh, I think, a unique World Cup. Of course, it's a winter World Cup, and that is something that we're not used to. So the idea that on your Thanksgiving afternoon you are watching World Cup soccer instead of football, I don't know how that's going to work out, but it makes it, interesting it makes it a topic of conversation and 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 i'm all for it I, I, when it's a world cup I, I don't care what time of the year is played i would prefer for it to be played in the summer but i'm gonna pay attention we're all going to be watching now this is i thought of you when this came out max and and uh and, and i i sort of wanted to get your uh point of view on this the and, and this news that came out of maybe it must have been about a couple of weeks ago where they said that there wouldn't be any beer sold or alcoholic beverages sold in the stadiums. Um, I mistake by definition, isn't that a world cup? I, I mean, isn't, <laughs> isn't that part of the world cup experience? Yes, I, I, yes, I'm. I'm, I'm I'm just I'm I don't know I, I like to get your your input on this. I, I I actually tweeted about that and I said if you can't drink in the stadium we have to put an asterisk next to this World Cup. It, it changes everything, and they're going to ask for trouble because the binge if they can allow you to drink outside people are going to binge drink, and I've had some experience back in my day of binge drinking. It, it never ends well because we, we used to go to the USC or or Florida State football games. You have to binge drink because you couldn't drink in the stadium, and then you see the student body just in you know the sun's hitting them and they're oh uh, vomit all of that you don't want that let them drink in the stadium get them out and go on the merry ways but i bet you we feel it i bet you you feel maybe a little lack of intensity in some of the stadiums because there's no beer or no sex for the players well, okay. That's, <laughs> I don't no one's that not going to be sharp. <laughs> no one's not going to be sharp. I'm not, I believe. I'm not, sure, I'm not, not mentioning sure any names. I'm <laughs> not sure I want that in your input in this subject matter, but uh, I, I would say that, you know, the idea, and, and the, again, these are news that just keep coming out, the idea that, that fans that do not have a ticket, that they can't come into the country. And I mean, those are all Weird. things that, Part of, and I remember going to the 98 World Cup with um, my dad and my brother, and it's the best trip. It's an old boys trip, and it was great. We were there for two weeks just going from place to place watching games. And while the games are great, and that's the reason why you're there, the ambience, the excitement around the games in the city, you can feel the vibrations of a, of a World Cup, of an important event. And and the celebrations that are going on around the, the stadium and around the city. And those people did not have a ticket to get into the stadium. And so part of the World Cup is that it's, it's a party inside, 
but it's also a party outside. So a celebration inside was also a celebration outside. And if you don't have those people that perhaps may not have a ticket for, for a game, but are just there for the ambience of it all, uh, I, I think you lose something and you lose some of the magic. I don't think it'll affect the product on the field, but I think you lose the, the, the magical aspect of the whole experience. Yeah. I, I, even looking at some of the past World Cups on highlight shows, you'd see the euphoria when Argentinian fans were all over Copacabana and celebrating or in Russia and certain fan bases making their presence known. The Argentines are always come to mind or the Brazilians. Uh, you may not see that and you'll feel an, an emptiness and maybe the 2026 World Cup will uh, will benefit because of that. But it'll still I agree with you. It'll be fun. But I think there will be moments where we notice those things and it will be like eh, it'll be a bit of a bummer. Uh, thanks for thinking of me when the story about drinking at the stadium came up. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I, I, I always have you close to my heart. Hey, uh, I, if I didn't drink at the 2012 MLS Cup with you sitting next to me when it was five degrees in Kansas City, then uh, I'll be on my best behavior. Thank you. I was like, where's the brandy or whatever? My feet are, I'm getting frostbite. I need something here. <laughs> And what we do, we threw a tarp over our bodies. That's what we did. A filthy tarp, if you remember that. I think that's as cold as I've ever been. I'm serious. I, <laughs> Me too. I'm pretty sure. It's because we were out and for I five had, straight hours. And I had layers upon layers upon layers. But because of the place that we were sitting at, it felt like all the wind was coming through us, taking our souls. And it was like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when it shines through the whatever, yes. <laughs> the sun goes right through people and burns them. Well, that's what the cold was doing. It was like taking our oh. soul. That, it was an awful, awful night. That was that was terrible. Ali, what I would do to see you do your one-step salsa merengue move that you always did when we worked together. I hope to see it soon enough. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, I still appreciate I, used, I know you still got it. You look like a million bucks. I appreciate you jumping on and uh, thanks for sharing your knowledge. You're one of the best in the business here, man. I adore you on TV and even more so as a person. Thank you so much, Max. And uh, always a pleasure to see you. You do know that when I get to see you and when we get to talk, we're smiling. And yeah. it's, it's automatic. So that I think that says a lot about what you mean to me and, and what you have meant to me from the very beginning. I, I remember the days of KCAL 9 when you were doing games <laughs> and it was early days for me with the LA Galaxy. And, and that smile was still there and my smile was still there. So it's, uh, we, go, we go way back. Great to see uh, how far you've come, my friend. Uh, very proud of you. Alejandro Moreno bringing his knowledge. Catch him on ESPN FC and all the ESPN shows in La Liga coming up this season. We'll be back with stoppage time after this. Time now here for stoppage time. And I wonder what the world football fan is thinking right now when they think of Major League Soccer and they see that in the last couple weeks, the league has added Gareth Bale, who we spoke of in the open, will be a teammate of Giorgio Chiellini. Those two at LAFC. Lorenzo Insigne, who's going to slowly come out of the gates, well in his prime, big money, will be going to Toronto FC. Toronto FC, it looks like they're going to be adding Federico Bernadeschi in his prime, Juventus winger, a little bit on, a little bit out of his luck right now, but a guy with huge potential and a chance to 
revive his career in a great place. So you got one West Coast destination, one East Coast destination. You got both these clubs forcing the others to raise their standards, to find ways to make this happen. Now, um, we understand why L.A., and that makes the job easier to recruit these players. Toronto's a wonderful place, but it's not for everyone. It's cold. Uh, California's got high taxes, but not like, not, like, not like Canada. And they're able to go. We've talked about how many destination places there are in Major League Soccer. I think we can get it up to 10. If you include the two L.A. clubs, let's say the two New York clubs, Toronto, Miami, Nashville, <laughs> Orlando, uh, San Jose should be, but they're not. Why not Houston? Why not Houston, you know, with what they've been doing there? Chicago, possibly. These are cities that you would want to live in. And places that uh, are certainly are capable of getting on the coattails of some of these other clubs to draw in some big players. You know, Ernst Tanner over at the Philadelphia Union was puzzled by how LAFC are doing it all, getting these players under TAM. Feels like there is some, uh, some controversy, a conspiracy, perhaps. Some, uh, something lost in the uh, paperwork. <laughs> Not crunching the numbers. It doesn't make a lot of sense for this to happen, but here they are. And it goes beyond there with Cucho Hernandez, the Columbus crew record signing, $10 million, who scored a goal over the weekend. By the way, incredible weekend in Major League Soccer. Obviously, LAFC and the Galaxy, the incredible result for Portland over Seattle. Eric Williamson, I think, throwing his hat back into the national team mix because that's a position that the U.S. and Greg Berhalter, I think, would like to add depth as a possible fifth or sixth midfielder for the team that's heading to Qatar. We had these controversial finishes. We talked about the Columbus result, the one between uh, the Red Bulls and FC Cincinnati, late game heroics um, all over the place. Just a really compelling weekend. And they're not going to always be like that, but there's really less and less duds in Major League Soccer. And now with this pressure, Luis Suarez has been mentioned. Jesse Lingard. I thought Luis Suarez was going to River Plate. He's not going. He's a little bit uh, older in the tooth. Where could he go? As we said, and I said earlier in the show, uh, we, I spoke to some former players, and they all say that the guys in Europe all want to come here. Now the South American guys want to come here because it could be a path as well. We also have what's happening on the marketplace with American players, and we're going to keep tabs on this. Uh, the latest report, Fabrizio Romano, uh, Gagas Lonina, a 10 million plus add-ons from Chelsea for him. He'll remain with the fire, so it's a win-win-win for Chicago. It is just the latest development in what's been a, a real nice run for goalkeepers. Granted, we do have an issue that they're not starting. It starts with Matt Turner going to Arsenal. And uh, he has a shot to get some games. I don't know if he'll be the number one. But he certainly has a shot to, to get some minutes. And then everyone's moving to get minutes in addition to that. Ethan Horvath still at Nottingham Forest, but there's that Luton Town, was it? rumor that was uh, was out there. He, uh, apparently, this was reported a week ago. He was loaned to Luton Town. He's going to play there. And uh, that's good for him. Luton Town almost got promoted. Well, not almost, but they were in the mix. And then uh, Zach Steffen. All of them doing what they had to do 
to get some minutes. So it, it feels like they're moving up. He went to Middlesbrough, obviously. Feels like things are moving in the right direction. Did want to touch on what happened at Leeds. I know it's a little bit uh, past its prime, the conversation about the addition of Tyler Adams' big money move to join Brendan Aronson there at Leeds United under Jesse Marsh. Um, as I spoke about on this podcast, there was an opportunity for this American uh, invasion, so to speak. And there are some other Americans. Chris Richards was connected. We, uh, Georgie Mihalovic briefly, who is now recovering from injury. And that could in, in continue. It's a, it's a calculated risk, obviously, for Jesse as he tries to get that up and running. And Tyler Adams in particular, I worry for because he's replacing Calvin Phillips, who just went to Manchester City. And Pep Guardiola, obviously, is going to only go for the best. And Calvin Phillips, who can do it all from that central midfield role, not taking anything away from Tyler Adams, but not as good of a passer, not box to box, more of that ball winner. So it's a big job. So Leeds lose some of the the um, the quality in Richards and eventually Rafinha, but they gain it back in quantity with Aronson and Tyler Adams and a few others that uh, we hope gets Leeds United up because Leeds just have to stay up. Leeds have to stay out of hot water for the first two, three months of the season so they don't get tempted to part ways with Jesse Marsh. And then they need to finish strong somewhere no worse than, let's say, 14th. But we hope for much better. They have the talent to finish around 10th, 11th, I think. And that would help this American revival and maybe more tinkering for Leeds United to continue on from. And we're all going to be watching. And by the way, we're all going to be watching the championship with all these goalkeepers. And Daryl DK and Josh Sargent. So many compelling stories in the English championship of guys that could still get on the national team picture. I am particular for Josh Sargent because he is he is the guy that I think we really have a need for as an attacker. Someone who can come from a wide position, become a second forward. I would say Jordan Morris is the front runner right there. But if Sargent can get it going, he would probably squeeze out Morris for that position. Not the number nine, but someone who can kind of come from a wide position when you need a goal so that you can get a second forward in there and give whoever's crossing it an option. Late in games, that's going to be valuable. You want more bodies in the area, right? So certainly that will be something that is possible. So all this is churning. It's very exciting, and we are here on it on the Soccer OG. uh, World Soccer Talk nominated Soccer OG. And a reminder, as we said earlier, go vote for the Soccer OG on worldsoccertalk.com. There's a little tab there on the right for the awards. Go to podcasts and vote for the Soccer OG. And we really appreciate it. We're not going to win, but we just want to maybe finish on the podium. And if we can, uh, we can pry and beg for votes, we'll do it. Because, you know, we're going for that bronze medal. Uh, there's some good podcasts on there. I've listened to many of them, obviously, Scuffed Podcast, which looks like it's going to win. Uh, uh, Men in Blazers is... Uh, just uh, you just can't explain men in blazers it's so much bigger if you realize the amount of listeners that they serve it is truly amazing um total soccer show we we've we've spoken to those guys in the past uh taylor who's just the best grant wall is an institution here and allocation disorder i'm hoping to get paul tenoria and sam stasekel on here very soon for you so we can cross-pollinate a little bit. And extra time, which I listen to every week. You have to if you listen to MLS. 
But check out the Soccer OG. Vote for it on there. WorldSoccerTalk.com. I appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again with more great guests as we get into the throes of summer. So much going on. Are you enjoying the women's Euros? England-Norway felt like a big game. There's not enough teams to make it compelling top to bottom, but those games will get good, and when we get to the knockouts, it's going to be fun. Right now, it's hard. It's hard. But England-Norway, good to see. And uh, that's the kind of game, uh, two heavy hitters, because what we're trying to get is teams that can compete with the U.S. in the World Cup. I mean, it really wasn't a game. England won (laughs) 8-zip. But still, that's what you want. You want teams to really move to the front of the pack. And maybe the English are that squad. I'd love to see England win the World Cup. I know that sounds crazy, but it's good for the women's game. You need that variety at the top. And the U.S. needs some good foils. Rate, review, download, subscribe, and we will see you very soon. And I know it's not Sunday, but as I always like to sign off, Placido Domingo. Domingo.